0: We have just finished a series called More. And I don't know if if in the worship time on Sunday mornings or if in the community group time on Sunday mornings, you captured all of that. I hope you did. It was a great series that we were led through. It helped us to understand that we are created to be something, that God has created each of us uniquely to be, but also to do. There are things that we need to do because of how we're each made. Each of us are individual. We look different. We act different. We have different skills and gifts. But in addition to being and doing, he, uh, the, the series helped us to understand where. There are specific places of where that we exist. And it's in those places that God has designed for us to be at work. That God has designed for us to use our, giftness, uh, our giftedness and our uniqueness. And so this morning, I want to kind of... Uh, Kind of bring that to a close and point us to a passage of scripture that I hope will help us to understand that we each have been given things for a journey. We're on a journey. None of us have arrived. Uh, if you're a believer in Christ, you, you've not arrived. I mean, we're just, we're on a journey along the way. And God has a plan for each of us that He wants us to, to live out. He wants us to fulfill that so that we can bring honor and glory to Him. What I want to ask you this morning is this. Have you ever made excuses for not using who you are? For not using your uniqueness in ministry to the Lord? I have. And we're going to look at the life of someone in the Scriptures that has as well. I want you to turn, if you would, to uh, Exodus chapter 4. And as you're turning to Exodus chapter 4, I'm going to remind you of what took place in Exodus chapter 3 so that we can kind of see where we are when we pick up this passage with the first verse of Exodus 4. In in chapter 3, what has happened is this. Moses is out tending his sheep and he sees a burning bush. And you, you probably remember the story. He sees the bush burning, but it's not consumed. And he hears God speaking from the bush to him. Okay, And he's, t- he's, t- he's telling Moses, you know, I've got this specific job for you, just like he does each of us. God's got a specific job for each of us, and he may not tell you what that is through a bush that's burning or on fire, but he does. And part of our purpose, part of our journey is to discover what is it that God wants me to do? What is it, who is it that God wants me to be? Where is it that God wants me to serve? And and so that's what we're looking at. And and so Moses had this specific task laid out ahead of him. And that task was, as you probably know, to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. That's what God wanted Moses to do. And so let's pick up with with, uh, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered, What if they won't believe me and will not obey, but say... The Lord didn't appear to you. The Lord asked him, what's that in your hand, Moses? It's it's a staff, he replied. Then he said, throw it on the ground. And so he threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses ran from it. But the Lord told him, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and he caught it and the snake became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. There are some truths that we can learn from this Scripture this morning that I hope will challenge all of us as we are on this journey together to be who God has created us to be, to do the things God has created us to be where it is that He has placed us. The first thing I would notice is this. What ifs don't really matter to God. We all make excuses, but God can come back and answer each one of those excuses. And so, if you're sitting there this morning and you're, as we go through the service, if God begins to speak to you about something and you, in, and you kind of figure, you know, I'm supposed to be doing such and such, don't begin to make excuses because God has got a response for every one of our excuses. Moses was fearful. Moses in this passage was reluctant to say yes to God. He had all kinds of excuses. One of the excuses he had was that, what what am I going to say? And if you read down through that passage, he says, what am I going to say to them if they ask me, who sent me? Why I'm here? And and God gives him an answer for it. He says, you're going to tell them it's from the I am, from the God of Jacob and Abraham. He says, but but, but Lord, I I, I don't speak very good, I'm not a good communicator. How many times has, have you thought maybe you're felt led to lead a community group or to speak in, in community kids and you thought, I'm not that good a speaker. I mean, you heard Wes a while ago try to make excuses for being an elder, you know? And we all do that. We make excuses for what God is leading us to do. Well, God looks at those excuses and He says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That excuse doesn't mean anything to me because I am going to provide for you whatever you need in order to feel my, fulfill my purpose. And so if you need confidence to fulfill that, God's going to give you the confidence you need. If you feel like you're not a good speaker, He's going to give you that as well. If you feel like maybe I don't have the resources, skills, guess what? God is going to provide that. Because Moses began to make the excuse about, I'm not a very good speaker. But if you look down in verse 14, here's what verse 14 says. God tells him to that uh, excuse he was making, He says, then the the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, he's on his way right now to meet you. And when he sees you, his heart will rejoice. You see, God had already set his brother on the road to meet him knowing that Moses was going to make that excuse. And the same thing's true for us. When God calls you to do something, He's already prepared and is preparing what you need to fulfill that task. I want to ask you a question. What do you hold in your hands? Some of you have got coffee cups. I realize that. Some of you got a, a notepad or whatever. But no, think when I say what do you hold in your hand, what skill do you have? Have you ever thought about how you could use that skill for God's glory? What resources do you possess? Resources aren't just money. It could be your home. How do you use your home to honor and glorify the Lord? It might be a, a spiritual gift. It might be a, a musical talent. I've heard many of those who are playing on, on the platform that lead us in worship from time to time when they were asked, maybe for the first time, would you help lead in worship? Uh, I'm not that good. I, I don't really, I don't think that's for me. You see, God was already preparing them because He knew that they were going to be here, and he knew that that's where they should be. So excuses really don't matter. The what-ifs don't matter to God, okay? That's that's the first thing we can learn for this. Another thing we see in this passage is in verse 2 and 3. And that is this. God makes the ordinary extraordinary. You don't have to be supernatural to be used by God. That is what's so cool. God takes the most normal of people, me and you, who really maybe aren't that great at any particular skill, but if we're willing to let him use it, he can do extraordinary things with it. Look at verse 2 and 3. Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? That's a staff, he replied. Then he said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses ran from it. And that's what I'd have done too, alright? If God said, what's in your hand and there's a snake, I'm running the other direction, okay? Because I don't like snakes. I don't like mice either but I don't like snakes. And we have to realize that God took this ordinary stick that Moses was carrying while he was standing at that burning bush because he was out in the field tending sheep. We know that. And so it would have been very common for him to have an ordinary stick that he would have used to give him support as he walked the hillside. That's a stick that he would have fought off wolves or prey as they came to get the sheep. It's a stick He would have used to guide the sheep as they walked along the hillside. It was an ordinary stick. There wasn't anything special about it. But let me remind you about what God did with that stick when Moses was obedient and gave it to Him. Here's what He did. You remember when He crossed the Red Sea? Remember what Moses did? He held held that rod up, held that staff, that piece of wood in the air. And the Scripture tells us the water parted. And they walked through on dry ground. There's another place in the scripture where he says the scripture tells us that Moses took that stick. That's what it is. And, and and he hit a rock with it. And when he hit that rock, water flowed from it, like a spring, and it gave the Israelites water to drink. Another place in the scripture where he's he's fighting a battle, the Israelites are fighting the Amalekites, and God tells him, Hold the stick in the air, and he holds the stick in the air, and as long as Moses is holding the stick in the air, they're winning the battle. A stick. At one point he becomes so tired that Aaron and her come up and they hold his hands and helping hold that stick in the air because his arms are tired, but he's got to hold the stick up because as long as the stick's in the air, they're winning. A stick. What do you hold in your hand? What is it that God has gifted you with? What resources do you have? What talents do you have? Maybe it's carpentry, maybe it's cooking, maybe it's sewing. Whatever it is that God has gifted and purposed you with, He intends for you to use it for His glory. And so we've got to remember that that that's what God is good at, taking what's ordinary and making it extraordinary. Another thing we can learn from this passage is in verse four, and that is that following God is not always the safest or the easiest thing to do. Following God is not easy, folks. It is a journey. And it's hard. And, and, and if we look at Moses, look at what he did here. It tells us in verse 4, it says, But the Lord told him, stretch out your hand, grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand, he caught it, and it became a staff. I grew up in South Louisville. Snakes weren't real prevalent there. Okay? I lived in a subdivision. We had a few snakes around. But I do know this. I remember being taught one time that the way you pick up a snake is to get down close and you, you press on its head. And you grab it by the head so that it can't strike you. I, in a million years, would never reach down and pick up a snake by the tail. I don't know about you. So for me, it seems pretty illogical and almost crazy that God would say, Moses, I want you to pick up this snake by its tail. I'm like, are you crazy, Lord? I mean, come on. That's not the way you pick up a snake. And yet, that's the way it happens so many times in our lives because God's going to call us to do something. He says, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. That's, that's kind of crazy. Well, you know what? Following the Lord sometimes is crazy. Sometimes the people that love you the most, the people in your families, are going to question why you're doing what you're doing. Why do you, why, why do you give that much time to serve? Why are you giving those resources to bless others? Because that's what happens. People question what we're doing because it doesn't make sense. It's not logical sometimes to follow the Lord. But that's what happens when we follow God. And here's what the thing to remember is this. It may not make sense. It may not be easy. It may not be the safest thing. But it's the right thing. Whatever God calls you to, it's going to be the right thing. Something else we can learn from this passage of Scripture is this. If it's going to be God's, it can't be our's. And if it's going to be ours, it's not going to be God's. It has to be one or the other. Look at verse 20. Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and set out for the land of Egypt. And this is critical because this is the first time in these passages that it's ever called God's staff. It says, and Moses took God's staff in his hand. You see, up to this point, it's always referred to as Moses' rod. It's his because he hadn't released it yet. He hadn't given it to God. And for some of us, we're holding on to things in the same way that Moses would. You're holding on to that talent and you're not giving it for His glory. You're using it for you. That resource you've got, you're using it for you, but are using it for God. What is in your hand and are you willing to give it up to God? That's what had to happen here. Moses had to reach a point where he said, you know what? I am going to give it up. And he gave it up. He gave it to God. It was now God's. It was no longer his. That thing that you hold in your hand, is it yours? Or is it God's? See, we need people to teach in community kids. And some of you have skills and gifts and talents who could do that. Are you going to hang on to it? Or are you going to release it and say, God, I'm, I'm going to do it for you? We need musicians. We need people in the community doing ministry. All of us have the gifts, and that's the beauty of the church. God has called us all together, each with different gifts, each with different skills and talents and resources, but it's under His design and plan that we all come together in this place called Christ's Community because God knows how it's all going to fit together and bring Him glory. But it can't be ours and God's. It could be your home. Is it your home or is it God's? Those tools that you have, are they yours? Are they God's? The skills that you have, are they yours? Are they God's? We all made excuses for not laying it down. And God and Moses was good at making excuses to God as well. You know, they're not gonna listen, they're not gonna believe me, I don't speak very well. What are your excuses? What are your excuses for not using what God has given to you? For how God has made you? Why are you not being who you're supposed to be? Under God's obedience. Here's some excuses I've made. Maybe you have too. What I have is too small and insignificant. It, it, it's, it's just, you know, it, it doesn't really mean much. It's, it's little. God couldn't use it. And if you're thinking that about your skill, your talent, or your resources, if you're thinking that about what you hold in your hand, let me remind you. About a story that was in the Bible. You, I want you, I dare you, and me as well. I dare you to go up to, to David when you get to heaven and say, David, when you fought that Goliath man, I, I can't believe you'd use those little stones. They're so small and insignificant. What made you think you could pull five stones out and kill a giant with it? That's what we do. God can't use that's too small and insignificant. What about the little boy who gave his lunch? He had some bread and some fish. Most would say, well, that's not very much. Well, it's not by my standards and by yours maybe. But God took it and fed over 5,000 people. So you see, it doesn't matter how small or how insignificant what you hold in your hand is. What matters is will you give it to God so that He can use it? That's what it's all about. Giving it back to God so He can use it. I'm reminded of a story of a lady that, that I've worked with over the years uh, she had come to me probably 10 years ago. I'm about 12 now, I guess. Time's flying. Her name is Shirley Cox. And Shirley came to me and the Lord had been dealing with her about how to serve and, and use her, her gifts for Him. And she said, you know, I just don't know what that would be. I, I'm not very talented. I don't speak. I don't sing. I honestly don't know. And I sat down with her and we began to talk through who she was and uh, what she could do and how God had crafted and made her, much like I'm encouraging us to do this morning. And she began to talk about something she had done as a a young lady when she was in college. And I said, Shirley, you ever thought about using that writing skill? Even now? And she's like, no, I hadn't thought about it. Here was a lady that years later, after she'd raised her children, her husband had a business, she was trying to discover what God wanted her to do and for probably 35 years, she'd not done any writing, but as a young person, she had. She picked up a pen and she began to write. She began to write stories of missions efforts and challenged the churches. She began to write stories of missionaries in the state and and in our nation. And as a result, brought attention to their ministries helped promote what they were doing and what God was doing through them. What's really neat is, over the years, she's now been published nationally. She's written all kinds of literature on missions and ministries. But all because she at some point said, what can I do? And she realized that God had gifted her. And so something as significant, insignificant, and small as a pen, a pen can be used for His glory. What do you hold in your hand? What is it God's given to you to use for His glory? Another excuse we make is this. It's all I've got. Lord, you don't expect me to give up this. This this is it. Lord, this is all. Lord, this is all I've got saved. You surely don't expect me to give it all up, do you? I mean, I'll, I'll give up a part of it, but Lord, you don't want it all, do you? Yeah, he wants it all. He wants all of it. He wants your home. He wants your life. He wants your children. He wants it all. And I'm, remember, I'm reminded of Pauline White. Pauline White uh, was a lady who lived in Florida, and she, the Lord convicted her through a, an article that there was a ministry in Eastern Kentucky that she needed to be a part of. And so Pauline picked up this magazine, and she read this article, and she, she laid it back in her recycle bin. She lived outside of Orlando. Went to bed. A couple nights later, the Lord awoke her and said, go get that article and read it again. That wasn't an audible voice, but she was sensing that. So she pulled that article out of the recycle bin. She read it again about this ministry need in eastern Kentucky. This happened three times. Three different nights. She was awakened and, and sensed that God was leading her to read this article. And from that, she was led to sell her home. She had just entered retirement. She sold her home, and she moved to eastern Kentucky and began leading this ministry there. Here's a a senior adult in their life that thought, you know, man, I've arrived, right? I've got my house. I've got my retirement. I'm finished working. I am going to enjoy it. And God said, no, wait a minute. I'm not finished with you. I've got a purpose for you. And she was willing to lay it all down for him. Are you willing to do that? I remember several years ago, a much smaller scale example, but I remember several years ago when Sherry and I were recently married, uh, hadn't been married very long, and like most couples, we were struggling to pay the bills and trying to, trying to save a little money here and there and that kind of thing, and, and we had been saving some money for a need that we had, and so we were saving this money, and one of the needs, it was, it was shoes, to be quite honest. I was needing a pair of shoes, and I wasn't going to say anything to anybody, that sounds crazy. But I was needing a pair of shoes and we actually couldn't afford just to go out and buy them so I was saving some money for the shoes. And the Lord told me, he's an audible voice, but I sensed the Lord saying, you know, I want you to give this money to there was a, a need in our church. I want you to give this money to this person. I need those shoes. And I didn't say yes immediately. And the Lord again just kind of tugged at my heart and convicted me. I want you to give the money you've got saved for those shoes. No, I can't do that. And I finally did. I thought, that's what I've got to do. And I said, Sherry, I think I'm supposed to give this money that we've saved. I'm supposed to give this money to meet this need. And she's like, well, if that's what you feel like you're supposed to do, that's what you need to do. So I gave all of it I had saved. Didn't think anything more about it. A couple of weeks later, an elderly lady in our church came to me, and she's, well, she actually came to Sherry. She said, this is going to be kind of strange. And she said, I'm, I, it's kind of awkward, and I'm not even sure how to say this. And she said, I feel like I'm supposed to give Eric some money to buy shoes. I thought, well, that's the weirdest thing. And she's like, I'm embarrassed. And she said, now, if he doesn't need it or, or you know, I mean, I, we don't want to offend you, but for some reason, I'm, I just feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. And so this lady gave me back almost to the penny what I had given. Now, it, always, it doesn't always happen like that, okay? But it's, 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 it's uh, an illustration of what it means to be obedient, and to give to God when He tells you, I want it, whatever it is. Whatever it is you hold in your hand, He's going to take care of it, even if it's the last thing you've got. Another excuse we all make is this it's, it's not very good. Uh, it's even bad. You know, because here's what we need to understand. When we, in this series of learning about what it means to, to be more, we talked about how God uses who we are, our experiences, and you may remember talking about that maybe in your community group. God can use and does use our experiences. Even if they're not good. Even if they're bad, you might say, God can't use. Man, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the stuff that's gone under this bridge. Well, God does. God does. And He can use even the worst experiences in your life for His glory. If you're willing to give them to Him. Give it up quit hanging on to it and give it to him. I'm reminded of a lady that's here in Kentucky as well, and her name's Eileen. And Eileen uh, had a son who was married, and they lived close by. And the most horrible of phone calls came one morning when Eileen got a phone call saying that her son had killed his wife. And so Eileen's life was devastated and turned around, as you can imagine. He was sentenced to prison, and she would go and visit him in prison. Prison was was a couple of states away. I think it was Georgia. And so she would drive down to Georgia uh, every couple of weekends to see him. And as Eileen drove down there, she would get down there. And Eileen had some, some means. She could afford a hotel room. She could afford to buy food. And so she would travel down, visit her son, and then come back. But what she began to observe was this. There's a lot of people who come to the prison who come there to visit their loved ones who can't afford a hotel. They're sleeping in the car the night before so that they can go visit their loved one the next day or or they're they're buying crackers out of a vending machine if they can afford that and that might be all they have and so her heart began to break for these people who were who were visiting loved ones in the prison but she kept thinking lord you got to send somebody you got to do something you got to help these people but she was always praying send somebody use somebody else she wasn't even thinking about herself because she said how can god use a lady whose son killed killed his wife And that was the way she felt. She felt shame because of what he'd done. She was embarrassed by what he'd done. She loved her son. But God worked through all of that. And one morning, Eileen picked up the local newspaper in Inez, Kentucky. And as she opened up that newspaper, there was a big article about a new federal prison that was coming up there to Martin County. And she said the Lord just impressed upon her, you're the one that's going to meet the needs of those families. And so Eileen took her bad experiences, that of what she'd experienced through her son, her experiences of visiting the prison, and all of that. And God used those experiences to help her, to lead her, to create what's called Haven of Rest. It's, it's a lodge and facility that's provided there right next to the federal prison where families come and she ministers to them. She shares the gospel with them. She provides meals and housing. She couldn't have done that probably wouldn't have been a right fit if she hadn't have been through what she'd been through. You see, God can take anything and use it for His glory. I don't know what you hold in your hand. What do you hold? Experiences? Talents? Gifts? Resources? What is it you hold in your hand? God can use it for His glory. I want you to take a look at this video and you'll see how God can use it even as He did this lawnmower. So whatever it is you hold in your hand, Whatever it is can be used for God. Lawnmowers, talents, gifts. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to be willing to give all that we have to You. You want to accomplish so much more through us. And I pray that we'll be willing to do that, that we'll be willing to give ourselves to You. 110%, Lord, whatever it is that You've blessed us with in the way of talents and skills and gifts, And I pray, Father, that You would help us to know how to best use those for Your glory. Help us not to hold those tight as if we're afraid to let them go. Help us to be willing to let them go. To give them to You so that people will come to know You, Lord. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.